Good evening, my party people. It is time for another episode of Cigars and Opinions with your host, Sean. If you enjoy this podcast, and you are able to, from wherever you are listening, leave a like or a thumbs up. Rate me whatever number star you want. Except for six, there are there is no six star. And let's get ready for another good old bunch of stories or rambling. Whichever I decide this episode. I'll see you in the Guard on Patrol segment. Sean, take it away. Thank you, Sean, and hello, my party people. So, um, I, uh, don't have much to talk about this week in in this segment, but my segment may, my, my main segment may be a little bit different this week, cause... I might be doing something different. I haven't fully decided on whether or not I'm doing it or not. But I actually have one of the stories that uh, I didn't get to read in the last podcast. I actually have it... uh, have, Have... extra one recorded uh, separate from everything else as a matter of fact I don't even have any intro or nothing just straight up story Uh, for those born October 22nd to November 5th happy birthday Yeah, um, I think I might be doing something a bit different this this week. Uh, possibly doing individual stories and individual segments with uh, different uh, background. So, like, the background would be one eerie... Um, background noise would be one eerie sort of sound and then another one be a different eerie sound kind of like how each one of my segments has a different um, a different uh, noise you know what I'm saying 
I don't know if you know what I'm saying. And I like how the background for one of my um, one of my segments is a louder one, and then another is like an eerie sound or a more uh, rhythm and blues type of sound. Anyway, uh, so yeah, be prepared for that funness coming up. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it over to the next segment, and I will, uh, see you guys over there, my party people. I won't be, uh giving my opinion or anything uh, until the outro I don't believe I only recorded one of the stories so I'm gonna record more alrighty see you in the next segment Bloodied curtains. There is a wide red irregular stain on the curtains in an upstairs bedroom of the house. Or there used to be. It's probably still there. I used to walk on my, I used to walk walk by on my lunch God damn it. <clears throat> I you it it's probably still there. I used to walk by on my lunch break every day and think how much it resembled blood splatter. It was there a long while though, a week, maybe two, and it's silly to think someone would have a blood-soaked curtain up and where anyone passing by outside could see it. The leaves and the leaves in fall are beautiful, don't you think? I miss walking along the narrow sidewalks and inhaling the scent of drying leaves mangled with mingled. I miss walking along the narrow sidewalks and inhaling the scent of drying leaves mingled with wood smoke from chimneys. One day, a yellow car sat in the driveway of the house with the bloody curtains. A a young lady stood stood on the stoop and it seemed an introduction was occurring between her and a slightly older couple. The apparent homeowners 
with the blade curtain window. I normally don't stare, but the woman was attractive and energetic. The couple, on the other hand, were the opposite. Pale, exhausted, and grim. It was for an... It was for an oxymoronic sight. Or it made for an oxymoronic sight. I thought little of it until I passed the side of the house. And I thought the curtain had been removed and replaced with a fresh one. I think I read that wrong. It was a little... I thought little of it until I passed the side of the house. And I saw the curtain had been removed and replaced with a fresh one. However, I came to the quick conclusion that they wanted to make a good impression on this young woman. Perhaps she was a social worker or a potential employer. It didn't matter because it wasn't my business. And the sun pierced the gray sky like a divine surgeon. And the leaves, of course. The leaves. The next day I noticed the car remained where the young woman had left it on the on the street she must have stayed the night or come early <clears throat> earlier than yesterday again not my business until i saw the curtain my footsteps gave up it seemed that their own it seemed of their own accord as i stared they had put back up the bloody curtain. Curious, I attempted to work it out mentally why those curtains would disappear and then reappear while I finished my walk. I couldn't. It made no sense. Her yellow car stayed on the street all that week and the next and then it was gone. The curtain remained until the following day. A fresh one appeared. I couldn't remember the last clean curtain to say for sure if this was the same one or new. A new car a gray SUV was parked on the road. I didn't see the homeowners or who, if anyone, had gone inside. I assumed someone had. However, because of the curtain change, certainly the one incident may have had nothing to do with the other 
my assumption that the curtain and the young lady with the yellow car were related could be wrong. But if I assumed correctly, my curiosity made me drive by after work. The car was still there, the curtain fresh. What was going to transpire, if anything, if I was right about events being connected, if had not occurred, had not yet occurred. So I waited. It gets dark early in October, and I was starting to get hungry, and I was tired from work. What the hell was I doing here? I stepped out of the car for a cigarette. That's when I heard muffled laughter and music coming from inside the house. The curtain room flashed as if a bolt as if a light bulb swung back and forth on the ceiling. Then a woman screamed. The fresh curtain received a bloody splash from somewhere within the room. Bursts of laughter followed from more than one person. The homeowners? Who else could it be? I listened as I debated on what to do and the light bulb kept swinging and they were laughing uncontrollably, insanely. Beneath the noise, I thought I heard a, I thought I heard whispered words it could have been someone just talking or pleading. I dropped my cigarette and took a few steps toward the house. If it wasn't 1989, I would have had a cell phone and called the police. But it was. And I couldn't think of what else to do besides what I ended up doing. I knocked and rang the doorbell. Just as I heard another peal of laughter. As someone shouted, Please don't from upstairs. I swear I heard it. That's why I started ramming my shoulder into the door. That squishy liquid explosion sound came again, an impact against the bloody curtain. It had to be. What the hell was I going to do? Or what the hell was going on here? What was going on in there? What the hell was going on in there? Well, I never found out. It took a while to break open the door. I'm not a big man. That was my first and last break and enter. I didn't notice the laughter had ceased. 
and when I got inside the scene was more bizarre than expected. Two women, the young attractive one I'd seen before, and a new one, the presumed owner of the gray SUV outside, sat on a couch in an identical pose. Their backs were straight, and their hands were folded over their knees. The woman I'd seen previously was wearing the same clothes she arrived in, jeans and a t-shirt. The other was dressed casually as well, more than a single set of coveralls. More than a single set of coveralls had been hastily discarded in a corner of the living room. The flash of a television. I couldn't see sporadically illuminated their faces, which were placid and strange in a way I didn't understand until I got close. Their eyelashes weren't made weren't made of tiny hairs. They were spider legs, stripped and sp stripped and slender, and moving as if the arachnid body had slipped under their eyelids. Neither women, neither woman blanked or seemed bothered by the minuscule tapping of the legs against their naked eyes. The place smelled of cooking meat. Are you okay? I whispered. The pallid homeowners stepped into view from where I thought the television was. What are you doing in our house? The woman said with only mild concern. I'd just busted through their door and yet they weren't in a state of shock or terror or on the verge of defending themselves. Instead they waited they just waited. What the hell is going on in here? I managed to ask. The gruesome pair exchanged a dreamy look and then smiled wide, revealing teeth so putrid they were... they were green. You must mean... you must mean the tomato sauce. He saw the tomato sauce on the cur he saw the tomato sauce on the curtain. The man said We spilled tomato sauce on the curtain, the woman said too fast. That No you didn't I said. They kept smiling, 
the woman kept staring straight ahead at the flashing light I thought was that was a television it wasn't tomato sauce I said with more conviction the police didn't use their sirens and snuck up on me suddenly I was thrown in the I was thrown to the ground and cuffed they didn't say a word as I repeated that's not tomato sauce Look at the eyes. Look at the eyes. It's not tomato sauce. Into the back of the cruiser. Face against the cold seat. The car started and drove straight to the jail. What's going on? I struggled. I struggled to a sitting position and could see through the window. You'll be held here until trial. The driving constable said over his shoulder. What? Why? I didn't do anything. What am I what am I being arrested with? So went my triad of unanswered questions. I was processed like an inmate made to turn over my clothing and wallet and keys they brought me to a cell in the general population of criminals at Millsworth Institute and that's where I've been for 34 years awaiting a trial I've long long ceased to believe will ever come I've had hellish experiences inside Millworth and I'm old now and no longer care what they do to me they can't kill what's dead I wrote down this story and gave it to a friend who said he could get it to you AP Clariot Finally, someone is looking into the strange experiences and injustices in Bridal Veil Lake. You'll help me, won't you? Me and the others stuck in here and forgotten. I had a visitor the other day. It was the man from the ha from that house. He looked the same, worn out and rotten, but unchanged otherwise. He sat at the table, and I hesitated to go to him, until I remembered there was nothing more to lose. After I sat for a second... He leaned toward me and whispered, <clears throat> It wasn't tomato sauce. Then he laughed a horrible, boundless, sound full of, a sound full of madness. He stood up to leave, and I begged him to stay and tell me 
why they changed the curtains tomato sauce or not. Apparently Apparently I could still be hurt by these people. He smiled. Ask yourself, he said. What would have happened if we hadn't? Why, I ask. I was no one before Millsworth, too. Why me? He shrugged. Why not? No more clarity came from that meeting. I held my head in my hands and could only see his legs and shoes. He was watching me suffer, and that, I feel, was the point all along. They plant, they plant suffering and reap our pain like a cop. Like a cop. Like a crop. I don't know why I said cop. They plant our suffering and reap our pain like a crop. Oh God help us. They are here in Bridal Veil Lake. Elston. Stalker. As autumn descended upon the quiet suburban neighborhood, a sense of unease began to creep into my life. It all started with a simple phone call, a heavy breathing, <clears throat> a heavy breathing voice sent shivers down my spine. I dismissed it as a prank. And though I dismissed it as a prank and thought no more of it, but the sinister whispers of a stalker would soon turn my world into a living nightmare. The first sign of trouble came when I noticed some, someone lurking in the shadows near my home. A tall figure draped in a long, dark coat, watching me, watching my every move. I couldn't make out their face, but the feeling of being watched was suffocating. I reported it to the police, but there was little they could do without more evidence. Days turned into weeks and my stalker's tactics became increasingly insidious. I'd find eerie messages scrawled on my front door in red paint. I see you, they would read. My phone would ring 
at all hours. <clears throat> My phone would ring at all hours. The same heavy breathing haunting my every conversation. Panic set in, and I began to doubt my own sanity. In an attempt to catch the stalker, I installed security cameras around my house. One night, as I review the footage, I witnessed the figure standing at my window their face obscured by a grotesque mask. My heart raced, and I called the police once more. They assured me they were doing everything they could, but the stalker remained elusive. The nights grew darker, and I couldn't sleep without the constant dread of being watched. I decided to stay with a friend for a while, hoping to escape the relentless torment. However, the stalker was relentless, finding me even at my friend's house. It was as if they knew my every move, my every thought. One evening, as I returned to my empty home, I discovered a chilling tableau. The stalker had broken in, arranging disturbing life-sized dolls in grotesque poses throughout my living room. The masked figure waited for me, sitting in a chair a gloved hand beckoning me closer. I fled once more, desperate to escape this never-ending nightmare. I started to investigate on my own, convinced that the police were unable to protect me. I delved into old records, searching for clues about anyone who might hold a grudge against me. My search led me to an unsolved case from my past, a person I had inadvertently wronged. It was a long forgotten mistake that had now come back to haunt me. The stalker's intentions became clear, their obsession rooted in a twisted sense of revenge. They wanted me to suffer, to feel the same terror that I had caused them. In a desperate attempt to end the nightmare, I reached out to the person I had wronged and begged for forgiveness, hoping hoping it would appease the relentless torture, torment to my surprise, the stalker's hold on my life slowly began to loosen. The heavy breathing... <clears throat> the heavy breathing calls ceased. The lurking figure disappeared, and the grotesque messages on my door ceased. 
it seemed that by acknowledging my past mistake, I had broken the stalker's twisted cycle of revenge. The horror had left scars that would never fully heal. But as I watched the last traces of the stalker's presence fade away, I was left with a haunting realization. The true terror was not in the shadowy figure, but in the darkness that resides within all of us, wanting to be unleashed by the right trigger. Find a blocked off road in the woods. Don't go down it. It was getting near Halloween and me and my buddy wanted to scare our girlfriends and or find a good makeout spot in the woods. We were seniors in high school and all still lived at home. So we had to find out if the way so we had to find out of the way spots to smooch. My buddy said he found the perfect place, but we needed bolt cutters. My dad had some, so that Friday night I swiped them from our garage and the four of us set out for Old Hagman's, Old Hagman's Road. No one lived off of that old, that old dirt road, which ran through the woods connecting two other roads. These roads themselves didn't get much traffic but old Hagman old Hagman's road got none at all because it was blocked off on both ends by fence style gates which were locked with chains and padlocks right on the <clears throat> right on the gates were warning signs that read do not enter by order of the Howard County Sheriff's Office. We pulled up to the south entrance of... Uh, we pulled up to the south entrance and my friend got out and cut the chain with the bolt cutters and opened the gate. I drove the car in past the gate which he shut behind us He got back in the car and told us all that they closed the road off about 20 years earlier, but no one knows why. 
He said there were rumors that people had died back there. And even the cops won't drive down it. The road itself had gotten bumpy over the years with dips and occasional branches lying across the across its width. My headlights shone up ahead only about 40 to 50 feet revealing the autumn colored leaves on branches overhanging the path mixed with some evergreens. The darkness outside of the cone of light cast from the car was deep and foreboding. And the woods were thick and cluttered with vines, bushes, and various brush all casting twisted black shadows onto the trees and litter behind them. The girls held our arms and cuddled closer, mildly intimidated by this spooky setting. At one point, on a straight section of the road, I briefly turned off the headlights for a laugh. The girls howled almost in unison for me to turn them back on, and my buddy chuckled out loud, and I promised not to turn them off again. I drove at a steady 10 miles per hour only because the bumps were too serious to comfortably handle any faster. I rounded a corner to the left when we all saw two red lights up ahead. They seemed like... They seemed like they were reflecting the headlights of my car rather than being self-illuminating. I stopped to get a better look before going on. Was this the eye shine of some animal? They seemed too far apart for that. I proceeded cautiously. When we got about 50 feet from the lights, when we got about 50 feet, when we got about 50 feet from the lights, the body of the thing the lights were attached to faded into view from from the, the thick darkness behind. It was an old car. The rear reflectors were the source of the red lights we saw. 
It was a dark blue sedan with its paint chipping off a good bit of rust and lots of leaves on its trunk and roof. The rear window was covered in dust and as I steered to the left side to the left side of the road to go around it we could see that we could see that so were the windows to the doors <clears throat> the rear window was covered in dust and as I steered to the left side of the road to go around it we could see that so were the windows to the doors but we all noticed that the driver's window was down about halfway I slowed down a little as I creeped past and creeped past the abandoned car looking over the interior looking over the interior couldn't be seen through the dust <clears throat> through the dust caked window so the inside of the driver's seat came into view through its half-opened window a sense of dread and anticipation swept through us all the steering wheel was in view when my buddy spoke up to assure everyone not to worry they wouldn't close the road without getting everybody out of the out of here first They were comforting words, and of course, he was right. No need to worry. But as the but as the headrest of the driver's seat came into view, we all stared at it anyway, transfixed and tight with suspense. <clears throat> The dust on the window prevented us from being able to see through it clearly, so all we could make out was a sliver of the interior. At first glance, it seemed the seat was empty, but then I noticed just above the top of the partially rolled down window I could see something in the backrest something on the backrest of the seat it looked like dark hair on the top of someone's head who was who had slid down in the seat but it was just an inch or so and it was dark so it so it could have been something else 
one of the girls asked if that was a person. No one answered her because we weren't sure. I had come to a complete stop so we could look at so we could look at it a little a little longer and try to figure it out. Out of habit, I glanced in my driver's side rear view mirror and noted the dim red glow of my brakes on the brush to the side of the road and on the dirt, but something was off. I could see a dark bulge to the side of the car. It was protruding outward from the rear bumper. It seemed to be right up against the car, but it was too dark to make out any details. Then it moved. There was some someone there crouching. I looked with more focus to try and make out what it was when the brake lights revealed an opening mouth and the appearance of a set of teeth and long canine fangs. My heart started racing and hands trembling. I started to move forward to get past the car, saying nothing so as not to alarm the others. I kept one foot on the brake to keep the brake to keep brake lights on as I watched it in the mirror. As I pulled forwards, it stood up. Its body was wide and thick. I stood on two legs. It. Its body was wide and thick. It stood on two legs and was humanoid in its basic structure. It had large hands with thick claws at the end of each finger. It was covered in hair except for its chest, which was reminiscent of a gorilla's of a gorilla's chest. Its head was exactly like the head of a bison, only with thick fangs and an angry grimace on its face. It even had horns. It stood there as I drove off. No one else had seen it. With a wavering voice, I asked my buddy to... to have the bolt cutters ready as we needed to get out of there fast. 
He suggested we turn around, but I informed him that there wasn't room on the road for that, and I wasn't going back. <clears throat> and I wasn't going back that way, no matter what. I increased my speed and held it there even though the bumps were making the passengers angry. My buddy, w my, my buddy could tell something was wrong. He asked me if I saw something else besides the possible man in the car. I replied only to tell him to have the bolt cutters ready and to work as fast as he could when we got to the north gate. <clears throat> Up ahead there was a small opening in the trees to the left, and as we passed it, a dark figure on all fours ran towards the car from the clearing. It slammed into the driver's side door hard, making a loud boom and pushing the car sideways about half a foot. The girl screamed. I put the pedal to the floor. I checked the rear view and the thing was on all fours, sideways on the road. It looked up towards us then gave chase. As we sped along the road, we passed an old police car off to the right of, uh, off to the right in a ditch. The driver's side door was open and several of its windows were broken. Around the next bend in the road there was an old station wagon. The windows were all broken on this one and it was positioned sideways across the road almost blocking our way. Instead, er, inside we could see the decaying remains of a family. Mom, dad, mom and dad in the front seat with skeletal smiles and two teenage kids in the back both rotted and mummified. The girls were in full freakout mode and my buddy was now holding the bolt cutters up as if to use them as a weapon, if need be. I was, I was banging over the bumps, and the beast was pounding on the trunk as it tried to catch up. We had the gate in sight when I realized that this wasn't going to work. It would be upon us by the time my buddy could get out. By the time my buddy could get the chain cut. 
there were no other side roads and now there were no other side roads and not enough room to turn around the gate was far too sturdy to burst through with the car when I stopped it was going to break a window and at least one of us was going to die there was no way around that now I had to make a choice a choice I hope none of you will ever have to make a choice I have to live with for the rest of my life <clears throat> later a man in a black suit would show up at the sheriff's office and I'd be released no sign of my having been arrested could be found on the public record I had to sign a paper preventing me from talking about what happened for the rest of my life or face a 10-year prison sentence and a $10,000 fine. My father received a new car as a gift from an anonymous stranger. The parents of the other three passengers who were with me also received anonymous compensation. But even now, years later, I still wake up in a cold sweat as in a cold sweat at night. I can still hear their screams. I can still see their faces staring at me in horror and disbelief as the best as the beast pulled the girls out of the car, tore them with its claws and bit into their necks. I can still see the blood on the window of my open driver's side door. I can still see the I can still see that horn thrusting out <clears throat> thrusting out of my buddy's chest at the gate as he drops the bolt cutters and I climbed down the other side to safety. And I still have to admit to myself that even though I carry a ton of guilt and shame for leaving them to die, I still have to admit that if I gotta do it, if I gotta do over, I'd do the same thing all over again. And if you saw what I had saw, you would too. since Wendy Lacey's body had been found dumped in the woods near Limestone Road. 
read the official story, but it was bland and sparse in, on details. The story circulating, the stories circulating throughout school were far more interesting, even if they were inconsistent. One was that she was decapitated, body laid on its back, arms crossed neatly over, neatly across her chest. It was allegedly found later on a church altar. Another was that her body was found in the middle of a pentagram painted on the ground. The classic devil worshipper motive. The most common and most corroborated was that her body was found nude and mutilated. The only consistent aspect of every story were there. The only consistent aspects of every story were where the body was found fact that the killer was never caught. An ambitious photojournalist had snapped a photo of the crime scene of the crime scene tape tied to several trees bordering a stone wall next to a dried up creek bed. The body was assumed to be out of sight on the other side of the wall. Rosie, a goth witch, steampunk emo kind of girl, had mentioned to me and my friend Bill that she knew a magical concoction that could conjure up the dead. One day at lunch, we invited her to camp out with with us one Saturday night and see what would happen. Sure, I'll bring my boyfriend. Boyfriend? Yeah, boyfriend. Does that surprise you? No, I just never saw you with anyone. I wouldn't date anyone from this lame school. To be sure, she picked up her tray and dumped everything into the trash. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday, I'll have all the materials. The next Saturday, we walked two or so miles from my house to get to get to the spot we started from the Mellow Mart after purchasing a couple of sodas and some gum we walked to the wide curve in the road that was 
the unofficial trailhead with a cleared man-made opening. Beyond that was a worn-out trail made by curious ghost seekers littered with roadside debris, trash, and fallen leaves. The shoulder of the road was high and it and it was a steep drop off from the road to the path. I made it to the ground with no problem, but Bill stumbled and rolled into a honey locust tree, piercing his shoulder with a string of large thorns. There was a there was a burst of laughter from the opposite side of the road. Rosie and her boyfriend walked up to us as I was surgically removing the thorns from Bill's shoulder. I hope there's some blood on that thorn. I don't need much. It'll save me from having to cut one of you. She didn't introduce us to her boyfriend. He was the palest dude I'd ever seen. Or at least it seemed that way. Contrasted with his light blue hair. He had on black jeans, a white t-shirt, with what looked like work with what looked like a work jacked with what I assumed was his dad's name work jacket with what looked like a work jacket with what I assume was his dad's name across the front pocket He was the quiet type, never exhibiting anything other than a stoic facial expression. Rosie was all decked out in what I could only explain as a steampunk witch. She had a black dress bolts, nuts, and various other pieces of hardware sewn into the fabric. Her long black hair was pulled up into a in, into pigtails with with gold bows embroidered with black steampunk skulls. Thrust across her shoulder was a large leather bag. She looked cute and ridiculous.
me see that. She took the thorns out of my hand and surveyed the surface. Mm. We'll need more than this, but it'll work as a good symbol of un- as a good symbol for unforeseen pain. She closed her fist around the thorns and walked ahead toward the crime scene. We kept a steady hike. I had never been to the site, but I assumed it wasn't too far from the road. We followed the trail deep into the woods. The sight of broken bottles and beer cans subsided and the forest floor became more natural, more removed from human waste. The undergrowth became thicker, crowded up against, crowding up against the narrow trail, some dying, some awakening to the death of the approaching winter. The light was now low, and I saw a bright red cardinal fly across the trail. How much longer? I asked. We're almost there. Once you see the cardinal, it's only a matter of minutes from there, responded Rosie. What? The cardinal? Yep. When we hear the... When we hear the raven... We'll turn left off of the trail. We need to stay on the trail. The trail leads right to the site, Bill said. That's what everyone thinks. But I know where the real crime scene is. A raven crowed. In the distance, Rosie immediately turned left and pushed her way through the thicket. Where are we going? I asked. I turned and looked at Bill in disbelief. We followed begrudging our every move. Rosie's boyfriend never said a word. Hey buddy, what's the deal? Have you ever been to this place? Bill asked him. He turned and shook his head up and down. So is this, so is this a joke? He shook his head from side to side. How much further? He shrugged his shoulders. Well, thank you, Mr. Mime, for all the info. I snapped. I'm done. I'm going back.
Oh, shut up, you big baby. We're here. Rosie yelled. I ducked through the... I ducked through one last barrier of foil... Uh, of, of foliage and found myself in a wide-open glade. Through the middle of the glade ran an old stone wall. On the other side was a dried creek bed with large exposed limestone rocks. Further up the creek bed, the ground was moist and covered in moss. Rosie climbed over the rock wall and walked up the creek bed to the, mo- to the moist spot. She pointed her finger at the ground. This is where she was raped. He walked she walked down towards us and stopped on one of the large dry limestone rocks. This is where he cut her throat. She walked out of the creek bed and onto the side onto the other side near a patch of red cedar trees. She became blurred in the shade of the trees. And this is where she finally died. She knelt down and patted the ground. How do you know all this? You're making this shit up. She ignored me. We'll build a fire right over right over the spot where she died and then we'll summon her with some incense I brought. It was late afternoon more toward twilight and it was becoming difficult to see. We gathered little branches first and lit those with and lit those with some paper her boyfriend had brought. As the fire began to grow, the light flickered around the surrounding trees. We rustled through the woods and found bigger branches, enough to sta- enough to sustain a good fire through the ritual. I need some wood from the area where she was raped. I got it, Bill said eagerly. Bill walked up to the moist area, bent down and screamed. What the hell? I ran up to him. He turned his head towards me and pointed to the ground. There on the ground was an entire set of teeth placed to look like a grisly smile. In between the upper and lower teeth was a bloody severed tongue. Rosie put her hand on my shoulder. It startled me. Calm down. 
It's just discarded animal bones. Looks human to me, I said. Grab one of the teeth. That'll work. We don't need wood. Just something from this area. Almost perfect, wouldn't you say? I hesitated. Damn, baby. She, she reached down and scooped up all the teeth and the tongue. She skipped over to the fire and tossed them in. The fire shot up into the air, turned blue, diminished, and slowly faded back to orange. She then took some incense sticks out of her leather bag and threw them in as well. I saw that... I saw that she was moving her mouth, but I couldn't hear her voice. I moved closer to her but still couldn't hear what she was saying. Rosie. She didn't respond. Rosie. Still nothing. I waved my hand in front of her eyes. No response. Finally I shook her. Hey don't touch me. I'm sorry. What do we do now? Nothing. We wait. Rosie placed herself directly in front of the fire. She wouldn't let us talk. She explained that it would ruin the ritual. That we would anger the ghost. We waited forever. The sun had set. Our shadows were dancing in the treetops. And snaking across the ground. The fire was brighter than it had been earlier in the day and a thought occurred to me that we hadn't added any fuel to the fire in quite a while. The branches on the the branches in the fire were bright but not consumed. The only sound was the crackle of the fire and the wind through the leaves. This is boring. It was cool at first, but I'm ready to go home, Bill said. Don't worry, she's about to make an appearance. Her boyfriend started to... Her boyfriend started to whimper. The first sound he had made all day. The wind picked up. Rosie stood up and started to undress. She walked nude into the middle of the fire and turned toward us. Her body caught fire, but was not consumed. Her skin glowed bright 
orange and as she stood in the fire a long gash opened up across her neck shooting blood outward onto the creek bed and into the fire the fire roared with the splattering of blood Rosie's boyfriend ran towards us yelling with his mouth open his teeth and tongue were missing I think we I think he was yelling help me but his words came out mumbled and weak as he approached us his feet were pulled out from under him from some unseen force his body was sliding across the ground toward the fire when he approached the rock wall he was slung up onto the up into the air like he was hanging on a cross he floated in midair for a few seconds crying for help the wind died down there was no movement boyfriend hung in the air apologizing for what he had done Bill and I turned to run back through the thicket but our bodies were forced to turn and watch a force outside our control had us bound and trapped as spectators the boyfriend's body was quickly drawn into the fire Rosie wrapped her arms around him and started eating into his jaw. The fire extinguished and we were cast into darkness. The smell of smoke and burnt flesh were drifting through the air. We were freed the force. We were freed from the force and started to run branches and briars were slapping us in the face and across the body we didn't care we felt like or it felt like my lungs were about to collapse as we finally made our way to the path we couldn't see or as we finally made our way to the path we couldn't see much but it was enough to get us back to the road as we got to the road or as as we got to the road we heard a car pass there was something pleasing about the sound of a passing car it signified that we had made it out of hell and back into civilization we ran up onto the road 
I turned to look back at the path, but nothing was there. Let's get out of here, Bill suggested. Yeah, let's go. We started to jog down the road. Hey, boys. We turned and looked back. It was Rosie standing at the edge of the curve of the road, dressed in her steampunk witch outfit. Let's do this again sometime, her boyfriend out of nowhere. Her boyfriend nowhere to be nowhere to be found. so I can't remember exactly the thing about the, this dream is that certain details change every night but the basic scenario remains the same here's what will happen I'll be sitting in a booth in a 1950s style diner I'll be looking at a menu. There'd be no words on the menu, only lines of punctuation. What the punctuation is changes every night. One night, it will be a bunch of commas. On another, it will be a, bu a, a string of question marks. No, I think I'll have the question mark. How about you? I'd say. I can't remember how exactly I pronounced a long string of punctuation. I just know that I did. Dreams are like that. Anyway, at that point, I'd put down my menu and look at whoever was, whoever I was dining with. This person changes from night to night. One night it was, it was an ex-girlfriend. Another, it was my mother. Still, another night, it was the rotting corpse of the Queen of England, her eyeballs falling out of her skeletal face. Regardless of who it is on the other side of the table, their response is always the same. Oh, I'm much too full to eat. I need to make some room after that. Or I need 
Oh, I'm much too full to eat. I need to make some room. After that, they'll start coughing up this black tar-like substance. Specks of it will fall on the table, eating away at the resin tabletop with a hiss. Then black hands covered in that substance will reach out of my companion's mouth, dragging long spindly arms behind them. And then I wake up, usually in a sweat. That's how it went, anyway. Tonight was a big... Tonight was a bit different, though. The dream started out the same. I was at the same diner pursuing... Perusing the menu. This time a punctuation was... Exclamation points. You know, I think I'll have the exclamation point. How about you? I said. I put down my menu and saw myself sitting across from me. I, the other I, I mean. Had this wild, terrified look in his in. in had this wild, terrified look in my eyes. The other me whimpered, completely foregoing the usual line before the coughing fit started. Like the same black hands. You know, I think I'll have the exclamation point. How about you? I said. I put down my menu and saw myself sitting across from me. I, the other I, I mean, had this wild, terrified look in my eyes. The other me whimpered, completely foregoing the usual line before the coughing fit started. Like the other dreams, specks of black tar-like substance fell on the table, eating away at the resin tabletop with a hiss. The same black hands covered in that substance came out of the other me's mouth, dragging long spindly arms behind them, and then both arms came out of my doppelganger's mouth grabbing onto my shoulders well onto his shoulders and pushing itself out the tar melted off the creature's hands and burned my double's shoulders as he let out a muffled scream out came a head with a face as white as porcelain, looking almost like a mask. 
It had no eyes, but instead a wide, gaping mouth, oozing that tar located where the eyes would be. After that, after that came the creature's emaciated torso, behind the tar that covered its body. I could see ribs poking out. Soon enough, the creature's entire body exited my double's mouth. My double slumped over, the tar pouring out of his mouth and eating through his body. Meanwhile, the creature crawled on the table towards me. The table seemed to grow longer longer as the creature got closer and closer the tar on its spiked spine glistened in glistened in the diner's light once it got close enough it forced my mouth open and started to crawl inside the last thing I saw was that gaping maw of a face. And that's when I woke up. Now, if that's where it ended, that wouldn't be too big of a deal. Just a more intense nightmare than I'm used to. It happens to everyone, but here's the weird part. When I woke up, I had a coughing fit. I put my face into my elbow to cover my mouth, but quickly brought it away when I felt a burning sensation. I looked at where I coughed, and I saw a black, tar-like substance eating through the flesh of my arm. As my mouth hung open in shock, two black hands forced their way out of me. my party people uh, this was a bit different and it was a bit uh, more um, kind of uh, interesting for me to do my voice might sound a little ho ho hoarse right now most of those segments were done back to back. Most of those stories were done back to back. And uh, I tend to need a lot of uh, something to drink when I'm when I talk a lot. And my throat my throat gets a little hoarse pretty damn quickly. <clears throat> and uh, 
I'm not used to narrating stories, even though I've done it quite often in the podcast. I tend to narrate a lot of jokes and narrate a lot of uh, stories from Reddit and Quora and whatnot. You've, You've most likely heard me doing so in past episodes, so, but, uh, uh, this one was definitely an interesting one, and I gotta say, there's not a single one of the stories I read that I did not like, uh, the, um, the bloody curtain, the, the bloody curtains, I actually read that one, Last week, when I did, uh, when I when I had finished the podcast for last week's, um, I stayed outside for a little while longer, and uh, I read that story, and I was gonna read it just to read it, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna read it and and, narr- and narrate it, and see how I feel about doing that. How I actually feel about doing that, because I had been thinking about messing around with uh, narrating and posting on YouTube, because there's plenty of people that do that, and I could easily do it. Not really easily, because, well... I don't know if you ever noticed, but I haven't really found my voice for that kind of thing yet. But there's nothing wor- nothing wrong with uh, trying and uh, seeing how it works out for me. Uh, you would think after 122 or 23, 22, 122 episodes of a podcast... That I would be more used to speaking, but, uh, yeah, speaking freestyle and speaking freely on a normal basis is, uh, a lot easier to do than narrating stories, because you have to read it properly. If you fuck up, you gotta figure out what you, what you did to fuck up and fix that. I prefer just to leave the bloopers in. It might take away from the uh, story a little bit, but uh, you're getting all the raw material, literally. If, if, if I'm taking things out, you're not really getting the raw material. You're getting what I can do to make the story better when I'm reading it when I edit and I just don't see that and I get you know there's a lot of narrators already and they make money for you know going on YouTube and they make money with partnershiping with YouTube and Twitch and things like that. I'm not actually going this for going into this for making any money. 
I don't blame them for, you know, finding something that they like to do and making money off of it. Quite the opposite, actually. I think a lot of them are very smart for doing that. I think I'm kind of dumb for not doing that, if I'm putting it out there. But, quite frankly, I don't feel like my opinion should be offered, uh, offered up for cash. But, you know, that's just me. I, uh, not that I don't think highly enough of my own opinion, just that I don't believe that I should, should, uh, do it that way. I do have one other thing I can say on that. And that is that while I absolutely enjoy listening to scary po- scary story podcasts, you know, um, horror stories, things like that, while I absolutely do enjoy listening to them, and I do and I do understand people wanting to make money off of the content that they create. Or the stories they narrate. I just don't see myself making money off of it. I don't have an I don't have a problem with somebody doing that and making money off of it. I just don't see myself doing that. If that makes sense. But I'm not taking away from their content. I would gladly endorse literally anybody I listen to. If I haven't made that pretty clear by episodes I've done in the past. Endorsing video games that you have on your phone many times. Anyhow. Um... I've even endorsed some of the other podcasts, I believe. Said, uh, mentioned some of the podcasts that I listen to. Anyway, um, <laughs> happy Halloween. Um, those of you that celebrate. I'm with you on that one, because that's literally the only holiday that I do celebrate. Literally. That is literally the only holiday that I like to celebrate. And, uh... Yeah. Um, I put all of the... I put a link to every one of the stories... So that you can read them yourself if you want to if you couldn't follow along with me properly because well I didn't do a good enough job narrating the story or it's just hard to follow along with me uh, you can you can look it up through the podcasts uh, uh, description each one of them are marked and each one of them have a have a thing for it. I don't know if it'll work on the computer, because I do everything through the phone. 
but uh, it has a thing for each one of them to the the Reddit page, the Reddit post. So uh, it's all there, all five of them. So yeah. I may end up doing I may end up doing this for another Tifu episode at some point. I honestly don't have almost never have something picked out. I know this one's this this outro is going on a bit long, but I'm just saying I almost never have an idea already picked out. So it is all going to be done at the same time. This week was different because, well, the idea was because of the holiday. So I wanted to do horror stories for Halloween. So yeah, that's what I did. I hope you all enjoyed listening. And you all have a good week. Oh, I never finished giving my opinion, did I? Well, I loved all four, all five of the stories. <laughs> I'm sorry. I loved all five of the stories. <sighs> I loved all five of the stories. In particular... The Bloody Curtain was a good one. And then the, the final story, as a matter of fact, was probably one of the more eerie stories to me. I'm not bothered by um, uh, spectral creatures and things like that. Or cryptids. Cryptids don't bother me. As a matter of fact, I'd probably try and pet one. If I'd ever seen one in real life, I'd probably try and play with it. But. Here's looking at you, Bigfoot. Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. That story was a little bit... It was a little bit out of left field. I wasn't expecting one that was actually somewhat creepy. The last two stories, actually, were uh, fairly decent. They were a lot more than I was expecting. So. Of course, with the names, the names like they are, um, I kind of should have expected a little more. But they were more than I was expecting. So, that was good. Anyway, links in the description for all the stories. Okay, my party people, you guys have a good week. And, uh, happy Halloween. And, um, I will, uh, See y'all next week with another Cigars and Opinions with your host, Sean. 
Thank you all. See you next week.